Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who is very excited for Selection Sunday tonight, but also the Oscars. Brandon Siegel, how you doing? I'm doing quite well, Trevor. This is a rare one, a uh, rare intro here. That You're 100% correct. I love the Oscars. I love Selection Sunday. Um, a lot of great stuff happening today on on this just glorious day. Uh, the Oscars is a wonderful event. Every year I always watch the Best Picture movie, so I'm very excited to see what movie I'll be watching this coming week. Um, but it, it is a great day. Now, it's a not-so-great day, also in the sense that we are without the third member of our podcast, Ben O'Brien, which we will dearly miss. Um, well, everyone except me. I definitely won't miss uh, Ben being here. Um, maybe, maybe you miss him a little bit, Trevor, but from, from my end, not, not, not a lot. I don't, I don't care for him. Yeah, I definitely miss Ben, you know, and we have a big showdown today. We have Dayton versus VCU. Ben, Ben, obviously, as he has mentioned, he's a Dayton fan and Brandon, you and I have VCU in our basketball pool. So that's, that's why we're kind of pulling for him today. Yes. And Trevor, I gave you the good news this morning in our basketball pool, in the old man basketball pool, uh, with all of my father, father's friends and my father. We are in first, the Young Guns. We are up 10 place. We're in first place at the moment. I hope it stays that way, uh, and we'll, we'll win a good chunk of change, which will be nice. But VCU pulling it out is the uh, is the first step. We've had a good champ week, uh, but VCU needs to needs to pull this game out. I, and I have faith in them, Trevor. I, I do. I got a lot of faith. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, do, I do too, um, but I don't have a ton of faith in how our teams are going to do in the NCAA tournament. So I do not either. Yeah. <laughs> our, our teams kind of stink. Somehow they did really good up to this point, but they, they, they aren't the best. They are not the best. Um, so it might, it might be a tough time in the tournament. But Trevor, look, the March Madness is crazy. All right, so, you know, we, we never we don't really know, but we'll get to college basketball in a little bit. Um, first, let's start in the NFL. A lot of NFL news to get to. First on the, the board here, uh, we have the Bears. The Bears traded the number one overall pick to the Carolina Panthers in exchange for four draft picks, the number nine pick in this upcoming draft, the number 61 pick in this upcoming draft, their 2024 first-round pick next year, and their 2025 second-round pick. Um, in addition of DJ Moore, all for the first round pick to the Carolina Panthers. Um, this is really big news, Trevor. I got a lot of thoughts on this deal, but first I, I want to see what you think. What, what were your first thoughts? I mean, you're in Chicago, so what were the, the, the mindset there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I first saw this trade instantly, I was like, all right, let's take the pul- the pulse of all the Bears fans I know. Let's see how they're feeling. And it was pretty positive. You know, they were, they were pretty happy. Uh, I think quite a few people were hoping for the the double trade. You know, maybe you trade and get the number four pick, and then you trade again. But I think that's that's asking for a lot. Uh, that's you know just a little, a little utopian. That was kind of like the perfect scenario. They didn't get that, but this one I, I thought was a really good deal for the Bears as well. I mean, uh, being able to get that number nine pick, uh, you get DJ Moore, who that's uh, I think a great addition. Obviously, they got Chase Claypool, who really this season had wasn't really I think what the Bears had expected or wanted. Um, but you get DJ Moore, who has been a really good receiver the past few years, a young wide receiver that you add to this Bears team. I think that's a solid addition. And then additionally from the Panthers, you get that 61st pick, you get another first round selection next year, which, you know, if the Panthers are bad next year, which they were kind of bad this year. So if they are also bad again, that that could be a really good pick next year. And then that 2025 second round pick. So I think definitely a good deal for the Bears here. Um, I, I think Bears fans are pretty excited about that. Now, they have to improve their defense. Um, they're going to need to use that number nine pick. Will someone slide? You know, a lot of these top teams, uh, obviously Carolina is one of them, but you have teams like the Colts. Um, you have a couple other teams that are probably going to be looking for quarterbacks. 
if a lot of these teams take quarterbacks, that is more defensive players that I think that will be available for the Bears at number nine. So if one of these guys can fall, a uh, defensive lineman or uh, a really solid linebacker, I know like Jalen Carter, for example, from Georgia, I don't know if he'll fall that far, probably not. But like a guy like that, can someone fall and the Bears get him? I think this is an awesome move from the Bears. And from Carolina's perspective, it's going to be interesting to see who they actually pick because uh, we've been hearing a lot of, um, obviously, Bryce Young. He's been a consistent guy that's you know been near the top. But now, you know, we're starting to get more hype around C.J. Stroud. I think actually yesterday I saw that he was the betting favorite to be the number one pick, which kind of surprised me because that was not the case a few months ago. But now apparently C.J. Stroud is. And then you have Will Levis as well, who a lot of people are very high on. And Anthony Richardson, who people are kind of, you know, considering the wild card, the guy who has a lot of potential, maybe a, a long-term project. So I'm very interested to see who Carolina actually, um, you know, wants with that number one pick, you know? Yeah, I actually really like this deal for both teams. I think the Panthers are getting rid of DJ Moore's contract, which is good for them. Obviously, DJ Moore's a really good player. Um, I do find it interesting that uh, they were willing to set aside their pick for next year and give it up in this deal, which is inevitably what would have to happen in order to agree to a deal. Like, I'm, I'm not surprised in terms of the compensation, but I'm surprised that Carolina is so willing to do it. Uh, no, probably knowing they're not going to be great next year. Um, however, this is very telling. The Panthers clearly have some quarterback in mind that they very badly want at one. Uh, whether that's Stroud, Levis, or Young, I don't know that answer, but they clearly have zoned in on someone that they really, really do want. And I think in terms of compensation, this was fair. This feels like a pretty fair deal to me. And I think the Bears definitely got a really good part of this. I mean, even if the Bears aren't great next year, they're going to have two first-rounders, which is absolutely massive. The Bears project with Ryan Paul seems to be going according to plan, in my opinion. I, I kind of like where this is going. You now have really good receiving threats around Justin Fields, which has been a big complaint. We have DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, and Cole Komet now. Um, whatever running back situation happens next year, we'll see. Montgomery's a free agent, uh, and Herbert's a free agent, so I'm interested to see what they bring in. But th th this offense should not be nearly as bad, especially with these picks that the Bears have. Um, should be able to draft offensive linemen um, and, and get some in free agency with the money that they have. So the Bears, I think, will be much better next year. I think this trade benefits both teams a lot, Trevor, and I, I really, really do like it. Um, let's keep on moving along here, though, to our next piece of NFL news. We saw David Carr strike a deal for a four-year, $150 million contract with the Saints. Um, he uh, got waived by the Raiders earlier in the week. They thought about trading him, um, and Carr did not want to be traded. Um, he you know, wanted to be able to pick his location um, in this situation, which he could have with trading, too, because he had a... a, a what, what's the non-trade? He, could, he couldn't be traded without his... What am I... What am I thinking of, Trevor? The no when trade you can't clause? be traded. The no trade clause. Yeah, no trade clause. Thank you. I couldn't think of the term. Um, but four years, $150 million deal for Derek Carr. This seems to be like a pretty good sign. I like Derek Carr. I know there's some people who like really don't like Derek Carr. I don't think he's a bad quarterback at all. Um, and I think he's really good for where the Saints are trying to go. This is a guy that'll probably be there for the next three to four years with this team. Um, it's actually a pretty good deal for the Saints. I, I, you know, when you just look at four years, 150, you're like, that's way too much for David Carr. But if you really look at the nitty gritty of the deal, they got a pretty solid deal for him, considering what they could have gotten by trading for him. It would have been a decent amount worse against the cap hits. Um, so I really like this deal, and I really like where this is going for the Saints. I think they're going to be a much, much, much better team with Derek Carr at the helm. What do you think about this deal, Trevor? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was kind of just fine. Like, I was just like, this is fine. I don't know. Derek Carr was, you know, a pretty average quarterback to me. The Saints are a pretty average team now without Sean Payton and, and Drew Brees. So I just think they're going to continue to be average. I don't know. I, I think it's an upgrade compared to Andy Dalton or Jameis, certainly. So I think they could be a little bit better next year. But it's not really saying a lot. Like, maybe because you're in the NFC South, you can win the division slightly. Maybe you can go 9-8 and eight and win the division. Maybe maybe 10-7 and seven at best. But even 10-7 and seven kind of sounds like a stretch. Uh, as far as the money itself, like, it, on the surface, you might look at it and think it's high. But, you know, you compare... Carr's contract with other quarterbacks around the league who have similar numbers um, that are, you know, the same caliber. And I think it's, you know, kind of makes sense. I mean, we just saw Daniel Jones, which we'll talk about that one, um, which Daniel Jones got a little bit more money than Derek Carr did. And I think they're pretty comparable quarterbacks. Daniel Jones, obviously younger. So I think it makes more sense that Daniel Jones is worth more. I would agree with that. But overall, it, you know, the, the financial part of it's kind of right in line with what I would have expected given other quarterbacks that are similar caliber. Yeah, I, I I do kind of agree with that. I, I Daniel Jones, his stuff is a little more complicated, but let's let's kind of get into it here. Um, obviously, Daniel Jones got signed by the Giants to an extension, four-year, hundred sixty million dollar extension. Um, but I think there's a lot of really important things to talk about with this deal. Um, there's a lot of incentives in this deal. I think it's like thirty plus million in incentives, um, which is really good overall. His first year cap hit is only twenty one million. Uh, they did a really good job getting that number down, but there's also one big thing that people forget when talking about the Daniel Jones contract. Uh, the Giants, in this year, they drafted two phenomenal players in Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, and they only have one franchise tag. So they needed to get one of these deals done. I think potentially they paid marginally more than what they wanted to, knowing that they needed to franchise tag one of them. And this deal got done right at the deadline. I mean, it went down right to the end. So I think it's really important because people are like, how is Daniel Jones signing extensions while Lamar Jackson isn't? This is, this is not every situation is the same. And I think people forget that often in the NFL. The NFL has a hard cap. It is very difficult to maneuver the, the salary cap in the NFL. Franchise tagging Jones was not really what they wanted to do, knowing that Saquon's contract was going to be much more difficult to, to bang out and get done. So in terms of what they did uh, on his contract, I, I would be very proud. I mean, he, he had a $36 million signing bonus, which leaves a lot of room for reconstruction, which this contract will 100% be reconstructed. Um, probably probably not next season, probably the season after, uh, when the cap hits marginally smaller. Um, and they uh, the, 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 the dead money on this deal is pretty solid. Uh, $82 million guaranteed over the first two seasons. Um, which is pretty solid. Uh, so I, I don't mind this by the Giants. The Giants are not a bad team. I think Daniel Jones is actively getting better, which is really good. And they were able to keep him and Saquon um, at the same time, which is a really, really big deal. So overall, this is another pretty solid deal, in my opinion, um, that, that was done this past week. Trevor, uh, Daniel Jones, uh, weird situation. What did you think about this contract? Yeah, so if you would have told me, if you put me in a time machine and take me back to September and you told me Daniel Jones... In whatever, six, seven months from now, he's going to get a four-year, $160 million contract. I would be saying that's insane. There's no way he deserves that much. What has he proven? He's not that great, etc. But now, after this season, having, in my opinion, the best season of his career, pretty clearly, the Giants obviously made the playoffs. He had a really good playoff game against Minnesota. Um, to me, he improved a lot this season. So I don't, it's not bad. I, I don't have too many, you know, qualms with it. Obviously, again, like, 
you look at the number and it's like, eh, it kind of seems like it might be a little bit too much. But at the end of the day, Daniel Jones has shown, you know, he he's shown this season that maybe he could be their franchise quarterback. It's not it's not crazy, especially given what the talent they have around him. Obviously, getting Brian Daybaugh, the, the coaching job he do, he did with his Giants team, he just seems like a phenomenal coach to me. Uh, the weapons they have, obviously, you know, the Saquon, there, there's questions like with Saquon Barkley, are they going to be able to keep him? How much money is that signing going to be? And then how much are they going to be at, able to add around those guys? But again, they, they already have a pretty good team right now. So I think next year, the Giants are going to be a situation where I, I think the expectations will be that they should make the playoffs. And I think there's a really good chance they will. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's not bad. I'm not crazy about it, but I'm not opposed to it either. I think it's, it's somewhere kind of in the middle. Also, I think it's important to talk about with this deal and cars, both of them are essentially three-year deals. Like, uh, for Daniel Jones, his last year, his last year cap hit is 56 and a half million. Um, and I think the dead cap is just under 10 million. So there's almost a 0% chance he plays on that. Uh, on that cap number. Same thing with uh, Derek Carr. I don't have the number right in front of me, but his fourth year is essentially not... Like, they, he will not be on that in his fourth year. So both their deals are essentially three-year deals. Daniel Jones, they actually have an out after the second year, so for that third season where they could save, like, 20-plus million dollars in cap. Um, so really, it's like a two-and-a-half-year deal for Daniel Jones. So I think it's important to look at the numbers and be like, okay, this is why it's like that. Um, if you look at the first three years, his average per year is right around $38.5 million. So getting Daniel Jones under a $40 million contract per year for the first three years, I think is pretty good, Trevor. I mean, that's today's NFL. I, I really think they did a pretty good job with this, and they give themselves flexibility to, to get pieces around him. Um, but let's move on to our final NFL topic. Um, I'm at the point here, Trevor, and I was talking to you about this a little before we started. I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> I'm getting so fed up talking about this, but unfortunately, we do have to talk about it. Um, we uh, we got to talk about Lamar Jackson. Um, he ended up getting the non-exclusive tag, and unfortunately, this is happening to my beloved Ravens. And Trevor, I have so many thoughts about his tag. Um, I don't know if you want me to go first, because I could talk for a long time about this, or if you want to go first. I'm going to leave that up to you. Who do you want to start in the Lamar Jackson category? Yeah, so I think first, I think for the audience, can you can you kind of uh, take us through and explain what the non-exclusive franchise franchise tag means first? I think that would be a good yes. starting point. Yes, so when a player gets franchise tagged in the NFL, there's two types of tags. The most common one is the exclusive franchise tag. That is the average of the top five players at that position's pay. You get that amount. So for quarterbacks, it would have been like $45 million dollars. Uh, this year is the exclusive tag. The non-exclusive tag um, is similar to the franchise tag, but the number is lower. The quarterback number this year is thirty-two and a half million. The number across all the all the positions is lower. Um, and how the non-exclusive franchise tag works is it's essentially he's a restricted free agent. Teams once the league year starts, uh, which is in three days. Um, teams have the ability to negotiate a contract with him, but the Ravens have the ability to match whatever contract is offered to him. Um, now, let's say that some team offers him a contract. Let's say the Falcons offer him a contract um, for X. It doesn't matter. Just they offer him a contract, and the Ravens don't accept it, like they don't match it. The team then has to forfeit their next two first-round picks, um, and it has to be their picks or better. Um, 
for Lamar Jackson in exchange for the Ravens, and then they can sign him away. Um, so that's that's the importance of the two deals and why the Ravens decided to go with the non-exclusive. And I can, I'm going to give more reasons in a second, I'm going to let you talk first. For sure. So with this thing, I mean, it was, first of all, it was super interesting because, you know, it's kind of like the Ravens are really just like, uh, like essentially here, I don't know. I, I think there's a good chance that he could be on another team. Now, obviously, another team needs to, you know, again, they have to give up their two first-round picks. They have to... You know, uh, they have to give him a pretty big contract. And, you know, there's a lot of risks associated with that. Are you a team that thinks you can win, like, next season or in the next two seasons if you get Lamar? Um, you're kind of instantly in win-now mode, which we've seen, you know, different different circumstances, but quarterbacks that are similar capabilities of Lamar Jackson that go to other teams, you know, we've seen, like, the risks. We've seen Tom Brady goes to the Bucks. We saw the Bucks win a Super Bowl, but now obviously we're seeing the after effects of how negative that is for them. We saw Matthew Stafford go to the Rams. They win a Super Bowl. It pays off for them. But then you see other teams, Russell Wilson going to the Broncos, Deshaun Watson going to the Browns. Some of these other situations are very bad. They look very dire in my opinion. So it's it's interesting from the other team's perspective. From the Ravens' perspective, um, it, it obviously seems like, and from what you've kind of said, Brandon, is that they've offered, you know, uh, some pretty good contracts to Lamar, and he's kind of turned down a lot of them, um, which is which is interesting. Um, I'm I'm not exactly sure. Obviously, I I don't know Lamar. I don't I don't know exactly what he's looking for. Um, so that's kind of interesting. But the Ravens, it, it really does to me seem like they are totally fine with moving on from Lamar Jackson. That's kind of what this says to me. Um, I I don't know what you think about that, but it's it's very interesting and it's it's kind of risky. But again. There's kind of the two decisions, and I think you can make a case for either path of, no, you just got to do whatever you can to keep Lamar because without him, you're not winning Super Bowl if you don't have like one of the 10 to 15 best quarterbacks. And then another case is like, well, we have actually, we have seen situations where teams have real shots. We, we have the Niners who are really the clear uh, team that represents that of like, you can still be a really good team. You can have a shot at winning a Super Bowl without that top quarterback. So to me, it's really tricky. I honestly don't know what I would do, to be totally honest with you. But, Brendan, uh, I wanted to hear some of your thoughts on this. Yeah, so I got a nice rant coming along here. So, everyone, get ready, buckle up. Let's talk about this because there is a lot of misconceptions about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens and what type of deal is happening. There's this perception that the Ravens are okay with Lamar walking uh, because they did the non-exclusive tag. It's just any team can offer a contract to him, and if he accepts, they give up their two first-round picks, and that's it. It is so not that simple. Um, and let's talk about this to start. The big rumor is that the Ravens are willing to match anything, which is going to discourage teams from talking to Lamar and negotiating a contract because then they're just doing the Ravens' dirty work. If he ends up accepting a contract and the Ravens supposedly, by rumor, are willing to accept anything, this is a big problem for teams negotiating with him. Let's say the Falcons, again, I'm going to use the Falcons a lot just because they have a lot of cap room and this is a good example. Let's say the Falcons negotiate a $300 million contract with him. It's fully guaranteed exactly what he wants, whatever the case may be. And let's say the Ravens are willing to, like, they will end up matching that offer um, per what the rumor says. The Falcons, um, in that five-day period that the Ravens have to match, they can't sign other free agents and other teams will get to those free agents. Um, and when the Falcons have all this cap room, they've planned to have this cap room this year. They're, you know, they're able to spend money on these free agents to make the team better. They're not going to be able to do that under the time that the Ravens have the ability to match while all these other teams are going to get to those free agents early. So this puts essentially their whole cap money, 
for the next five years on hold for five days. And that is a big issue that teams do not want to get in. Because if the Ravens end up matching it, they're going to lose out on all those players that they would, would be able to get if they didn't go into the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes here. On top of that, not every team wants to give $300 million a check to anyone, frankly, um, just to a player in a single season. And much less, most teams won't do that. You know, we saw the Browns roll out the Binks truck, uh, Brinks trunk for uh, Deshaun Watson, but we haven't seen anyone else that happen to. And we've seen extensions past Deshaun Watson not go that way. Um, so again, it's not as easy as just let's just you know let's just give two first round picks up and sign them. There's a lot of nuances with this. Um, you know, since most teams are expecting the Ravens just to match whatever they do, they don't want to do the dirty work and stall their negotiations with other players. Um, so I I think the Ravens very badly do want him. However, I think that they have accepted that they do not want to be in a situation like the Bucks are or like the Broncos um, or, frankly, what the Browns are going to be in. They don't want to be stuck with a fully guaranteed contract and have issues navigating that new, very new sphere of the NFL. This is not something the Ravens want to do, and they are not desperate enough to do it. Um, and what's so interesting is the Ravens have almost dared other teams like Lamar Jackson. They're like, Lamar, go see what your value is with the non-exclusive tag. And I, I think that... They're going to, you know, he's going to realize and that the Ravens wanted to realize, hey, you're not going to get a fully guaranteed contract anywhere. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Ravens are wrong. It's definitely a big gamble, but it's the gamble that they're doing and they're willing and accepting to the fact that like if Lamar leaves, like, yeah, it's going to suck. It's not going to be fun. He's a great player, but they are still going to be a very good football team. We watched last year. When Tyler Huntley played during the regular season, they were not good. They went eight and two when Lamar played and they went, um, what was it? Two and four when Tyler Huntley played or something like that. Um, they were not good with Tyler Huntley. But we saw in those final two Bengals games, both of them, the Ravens outplayed the Bengals. And that's their real opponent in the next two to three years, Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I think the Ravens understand that obviously Tyler Huntley wouldn't be the quarterback if Lamar left. It would be someone else, like a Jacoby Brissett or someone like that. But I think they understand, like, hey, we just put a ton of talent around Jacoby Brissett, do it the what the Niners did and run the division with all this crazy great talent around them. You know, I, I think that they believe that they really will be able to to make a run. Now, will they win a Super Bowl? I don't know. That's that's a tough one. But I think that the Ravens are content with that possibility. And I think that puts Lamar Jackson in a really difficult situation. Under what the rumors have, have been going around, the Ravens have offered six contracts to Lamar Jackson. He has declined all of them. There's also a misconception that Deshaun Watson has pushed this full, fully guaranteed contract narrative. From what rumors have expressed, this has been well before Deshaun Watson got his contract that Lamar has expressed this to the team. They didn't start negotiating just this past offseason, the offseason before they were negotiating. So I, I think that Lamar has always wanted this, and supposedly the highest contract he was offered would have had him being the highest paid player in the league and have the second most guarantees in the league, or the third most guarantees in the league behind Patrick Mahomes, who has a 10-year deal, so it kind of makes sense. Um, and behind Deshaun Watson, who has a fully guaranteed contract. But it made him the highest paid average per year, and he declined it. So at this point, I think the ball is in Lamar's court a little bit to see what his true worth is and what teams are going to be willing to, to offer to him. Now, my biggest worry with this whole thing, Trevor, and this is what I think is the biggest issue, is if Lamar does not play on this tag, it's going to mess the Ravens up bad. So I think we're... Excuse me. I think we're in a position here where this is going to be a little bit tough to, to navigate. You know, I, I, I want Lamar to play. I want Lamar to stay. But at the same time, is it just better to get rid of this headache of, you know, is he going to sign? Is he not going to sign? Is he even going to play on the tag? Is he just going to sit out the whole year? 
This is such a mess. I just want the Ravens to be good. I don't care what happens here, and I'm frankly very tired of talking about this. <laughs> yeah, well, that was that was a very good summary of you know everything kind of going on with the situation. And I'm reading here that he has it looks like up until July 17th uh, to yes. work out a potential multi-year deal with yeah. another team. So. Sign his tag. So we will yep. see what happens. And work out a deal. I, I also think one last thing I want to talk about is there's this, like, everyone in the world is like, just pay the man. I mean, are, are we supposed to pay any player any amount of money? Like, should we just give Lamar Jackson $800 million every year? I mean, you can't. You have to fuel the team. And the Ravens have a good team. They can't just give him any amount of money. On top of that, there are issues with Lamar Jackson. I love Lamar. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. We just did our quarterback rankings. He ranked in like the top six of my quarterbacks. But let's be honest here. He's one and two in the playoffs. The last two seasons, he got injured at the end of the year and didn't play at the end of the year. This past season, he didn't play in that Bengals game that, frankly, everyone said he could play in. That obviously wasn't in the organization. He claimed he was hurt. Maybe he was. I don't know. David Chow, the pro football doctor, I have never seen him be wrong, and he said he was 100% sure Lamar Jackson can play. So if we're being honest here, the last two seasons, at the end of the year, during the playoffs, Lamar didn't play. So I I just have worries about giving him this fully guaranteed contract and then being set in stone with the same situation we got in last season. Um, and it's not, frankly, something I want to be a part of. I, I want the Ravens to win. I love Lamar Jackson, but I'm a Ravens fan first, and I hope they win football games. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, let's move on. I'm praying that the next piece of time, you know, the next time we talk about Lamar Jackson, it's just they signed him or they didn't and he's gone. I don't care which. I just hope it happens. Does not matter to me. Um, but let's let's keep on moving along here. Trevor, we are in the bulk of uh college basketball here and boy is it a fun time to be a college basketball fan. Um, obviously we talked a little bit about our draft or our, our like college basketball pool that we do with my dad's friends. Um, but we have a lot of good games that happen. A lot of, you know, interesting teams that have clinched their spot, made it already. We have five games happening on this Sunday when we record before the selection show, uh, the Ivy League, A-10, SEC, American, and Big Ten. Um, but Trevor, why don't we go through some of the major conferences, some of the games you want to highlight, talk about the teams that did get their, uh, you know, punch their ticket to the, to the big dance. Absolutely. So let's start off with the Big 12. Um, the Texas Longhorns, they are your Big 12 champions. They uh, defeated Kansas yesterday, 76 to 56. Um, you they know, ended them. up being kind of a blowout. And I was, you know, yeah. I was kind of sort of watching this game, not like in detail, but I, I kept looking at the scoreboard and keep thinking, yeah, okay, Texas is up 10, but you know, Kansas, they're always capable of a comeback. And then it's like, all right, Texas is up 14. Uh, but Kansas is always capable of comeback. And then I looked up again, and they're up 18. It's like two minutes left. I was like, all right, Kansas not coming back. Texas is winning this. So re- really good win for Texas here. Um, you know, and Texas has been an interesting team throughout the season. I was really high on them earlier in the season. Obviously, everything that happened with Chris Beard, he's obviously not on the team anymore. Um, and with, you know, their interim coach, with this really talented roster, they're still doing really well. They've been a top 10 team for the majority of the year. And they just won the Big 12 championship, you know. So Texas is an interesting team. Um, obviously, they're they're really reliant on, you know, some of their guards, Marcus Carr, Tyrese Hunter, who obviously I've been a big fan of, despite the fact that he hasn't really played um, up to the standard I had hoped this year. Um, but, you know, they, they've been really good. They have, you know, some of these other guys like Serge Jabari Rice. Uh, Dylan DeSue had a really good game yesterday. Um, with 18 points, 7 of 9 from the field. So this was a really good showing from Texas. And I'm now very interested 
um, to see you know what kind of bracket Texas gets. I think um, after this win, I would guess that they will be a two seed based on this. They were already seven. They they were already the number seventeen in the country. I'm not sure where they were seeded before this game, but winning a Big Twelve championship, getting this win over Kansas, I think um, I, I would be surprised if they're not a two seed um, in the NCAA tournament and to see like kind of what their bracket looks like. So really good showing from Texas, obviously. Not the showing you would have wanted from Kansas, who's kind of like the model of consistency in college basketball when there really doesn't seem to be any other uh, programs that are uh, as consistent as Kansas is throughout the years. Um, so not a, not a great showing from Kansas. They didn't really shoot very well from the field. But that's the Big 12 um, championship. You know, some of these other teams in the conference, obviously Baylor's still interesting, um, but they did get upset by Iowa State earlier in the week. So uh, I'm really interested to see like kind of how the Big 12 is going to get a lot of teams in the tournament. They're going to get almost every team in the tournament, actually. Even my West Virginia Mountaineers are supposed to be in the tournament, and they have like 15 losses, which is kind of what, 14, 15 losses. So the Big 12 has been the best conference really all season, and of the 10 teams in their conference, they're supposed to get at least eight or nine, I think eight or nine of the 10 teams are going to make the NCAA tournament, which is pretty wild, don't you think? Yeah, that's that's a lot of teams, ton. Yeah, very, so, very wild. So Big 12, going to be interesting to see uh, what happens there. Next conference will go to the ACC. Uh, the Duke Blue Devils, they won the ACC championship yesterday over Virginia. Yeah, we, we were kind of pulling for Virginia there. Obviously, they lost. 59-49, uh, Duke is the winner. They also beat Miami in the semifinals before this, so Duke's the winner there. A really good stretch for a Duke team that you know, has just been, like, decent. They've been fine. They've been decent throughout the year, but there hasn't been anything exceptional um, compared to Duke teams that we've seen over the last five, six, seven years. Uh, This is not a Duke team that really um, excites anyone. It's not, like, a super interesting team. They have, I mean, they have talent. They always have talent. It's the first year without Coach K. So they've been good, and after this win, they're probably going to be, they might be a three seed, to be honest. I would say a three or a four is probably where they're likely to be slotted. Um, for Duke, and we'll have to see how they do in the tournament. Again, the ACC, we've been talking about it. It's a weak conference this year. It's been a weak conference for the past three or four years now, uh, which has been surprising, but I think that's going to be the case again. You have Duke, you have Virginia, you have Miami. Those are the three best teams in the conference, but I don't really think any of them are going to make the Final Four, so going to be interesting there. Uh, Big Ten, Purdue and Penn State, they played today. Uh, We'll see how that plays out. Obviously, Penn State has made a run here in the Big Ten tournament. SEC, uh, Bama, and A&M, they play today. Another interesting one to look at there, A&M. A&M's an interesting team because I, I certainly didn't expect them to be as good as they were this year, um, and now they have a chance to win an SEC championship today. Um, obviously, Buzz Williams, you know, the coach over there at A&M, so going to be interested to see if they can pull the upset on Bama. They did beat Alabama a couple weeks ago, so let's see if they can do it again today. Uh, Pac-12, um, this is an interesting one for us, Brandon. Um, we were talking about UCLA a little bit before the podcast. They fell to Arizona in this one, 61-59 to uh, in the championship game. UCLA is a team who I think has really been coming into form lately as one of the best two or three teams in the country. However, they are now without two of their best five or six players, I would say. I mean, Jalen Clark, uh, earlier in, early in the season, arguably their best player. If not their best player, maybe second best player. They've still been, I mean, they, they advanced to the championship game without him. They almost beat Arizona without him. 
pretty surprising, but I think that's something to think about come tournament time with UCLA. And then Adam Bona, he got hurt on Friday in their semifinal win over Arizona State. I, I don't know. Is he going to come back for the tournament? I'm not really sure about that. So something to keep in mind for a UCLA team that before these injuries, I would have said it's a it's a fantastic championship pick for anyone. Like if you're thinking yeah. about like who do I think is going to win the NCAA tournament, UCLA is either my first or second pick, I would have said, before these injuries. Now I'm not so sure anymore. So it's interesting. I, I guess we could stop there, Brandon. Any thoughts on the Pac-12 or you know any, any of the other conferences I mentioned so far? No, no, we can we can we can keep on moving along. All right, awesome. So two more of the major conference tournaments that I wanted to mention: Marquette, Marquette, another surprise. Um, obviously, you know, coached by Shaka Smart, he's been doing a really good job um, up there with Marquette, and they win the Big East uh, championship. They've been really good. They were really good in the regular season, the number one seed. In the, in the tournament, they beat Xavier yesterday uh, to win the championship. So Marquette, really, again, just a surprise. And they're going to be one of these teams, I think, probably also a two-seed. It looks um, like they're probably locked into that two-seed at this point. I think they were coming into that game yesterday. They won it. But I don't necessarily think there's room for them to jump to the one. I guess you could argue maybe if Purdue loses to Penn State, maybe Marquette has a chance. But I think they're probably a two seed, most likely. So Marquette's a team to watch out for. Watch out for. They've had really good guard play throughout the season. Uh, you know, just a fun team to watch. Uh, last conference of the power conference, you know, conferences. Houston, Memphis today. Um, they played, I think, twice already this year. So this will be the third matchup between these two teams. Um, Memphis has another shot to see if they can take down Houston. Houston. Um, almost lost their last matchup. Memphis almost won. I think Houston won it on a buzzer beater. So this is the third matchup between these two teams. And just, it, it's it's always fun when Houston and Memphis play, especially over the last few years when both of these teams have, have been pretty good, I would say, especially Houston. So those are the power conferences. Obviously, Selection Sunday today. Um, we have a lot of mid-major conferences that we can mention too. A lot of interesting things that can happen. Obviously, very relevant to us is the MAC. Uh, Kent State got the victory over Toledo yesterday. Mm-hmm. And on this pat- podcast, we are certified Toledo haters. So we are very happy about this, Brandon. Arby. I think more than just this podcast, though, Trevor. I think, frankly, everyone, they just don't know it, but everyone is a Toledo hater. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, very fair. And also, um, for you personally, Brandon, uh, this is interesting because Sincere Carey, yeah. Solon High School, um, he was the yeah. leading scorer in this game. For Kent State, he's the leading scorer on Kent State's team this season, um, and he led Kent State to a 93-78 to win over Toledo. Kent State, to me, has been essentially the best team in this conference all season. I know Toledo went on the run, and people were hyping up Toledo, but I've really never wavered from the preseason to now. I thought Kent State was the best team in the conference, um, and they are going to the tournament for the first time since 2017, so good news for the Golden Flashes. Um Brandon, any any mid-major conferences as you're kind of looking here that you wanted to talk about? I know we we had the Mountain West yesterday that we were very invested in. Um, some of these other conferences very interesting. As you're kind of looking here, anything that's surprising or or anything you want to talk about with some of these mid-major conferences? There's there's probably only one that I want to talk about. That's the uh, A Sun with Kenshaw State. Uh, the Owls making their first ever NCAA tournament uh, appearance. They beat Liberty by one, who I think was the resounding favorite uh, in that in that conference. So really happy to see them make it out. They went twenty six and eight this year, um, and their leading scorer is Chris Youngblood. 
so I, 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 I mean, it's pretty cool to see a team make it for the first time. I feel like we haven't had many, like, uh, you know, like, uh, upsets in the big conferences. Like, you know, a lot of teams that already were going to make it are kind of making it. So it's cool to see it upset here at one of the little conferences. Yeah, absolutely. Good news for Kennesaw State there. Obviously, uh, a really close win over Liberty. So it's fun that they get the you know their first appearance in the tournament ever in, in the program's Division One era. Yep. So their first appearance ever. Um, and yeah, I mean, I can go through some of these other conferences. I mean, just looking, and we're going to talk when we get more when we talk about our bracket but some of these teams that i'm looking at is like this team potentially could be a team to watch out for maybe they can win a game maybe they could be a potential cinderella obviously charleston is one that we love it's a team we follow closely they're an interesting team a big model of consistency 31 and 3 on the season i think they're a team that you should at least watch out for another one i think we got to go with oral roberts oral roberts obviously a couple years ago they pulled the big upset as a 15 seed over Ohio State. Can they can they pull another big upset in the tournament this year? It, it's possible. I think Oral Roberts is very good. Um, let's see, just scrolling here. Who else is an interesting th- team? I think Drake is pretty solid from what I've seen. They have a player by the name of Tucker DeVries who averages about 19 points a game. Who I think some people, I don't know if he's going to be like drafted in the NBA, but I think people have talked about him as like, he potentially, he's like an interesting guy who maybe could get like a second round pick. So Drake has a really good team there um, over winning the Missouri Valley Conference. But I think that's pretty much it, you know. Um, just looking at some of these other teams, I mean, San Diego State, just in general, they're not they're not really a Cinderella. They're just a straight up good team. Um, so they're interesting. Iona, coached by uh, obviously Patino, Rick Patino. Um, so Iona is an interesting team, but that's pretty much all I had, Brandon. Um, on college basketball, unless you had anything else to mention. Um, obviously, we have a few more games today and then Selection Sunday tonight, so I am very excited for all of it. Of course, very, very pumped. Cannot wait. And two two last things I want to talk about. Two little announcements. Number one, linked in the description below is going to be our tournament challenge for the Small Ballers. It's completely free. It is just to have fun. Please go join, um, compete against us. And the second part of this is obviously all three of us on the podcast, well, two of us here today, third member not here because um, he's slacking. Um, all three of us will put in our own personal brackets. But on Tuesday, we have a bonus episode that is going to come out after the selection show where we're going to go through and pick a small ballers bracket. Every single game, we're going to break down uh, a little bit, pick our winner, and that bracket will also be submitted on our tournament. And that bracket will be public for everyone to see. Um you know, in case, you know, you want our picks. I mean, Trevor, Trevor's the man, the myth, the legend with basketball. Um, he, he knows his stuff, so it'll be really, really fun to do that bracket. So those two little announcements. Um, go join the tournament. Stay tuned for that Tuesday episode because it'll be really, really fun. But I think that's it for college basketball, Trevor, if you want to uh, move along to the NBA. Trevor, I, I uh, you know, I, I think we, we all know on this podcast I don't follow the NBA nearly as close um, as you do. And you put me on to a very interesting situation happening in the West. Why don't you break this down for us? The Western Conference has a lot going on. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about the West mainly today. Just because if you look at the West standings, um, there's a lot of teams that are close. You can go from the, we'll say the 5 seed, the Los Angeles Clippers, to the uh, Portland Trailblazers, who are the 13th best team in the West in terms of record. They're only separated by four games. So that's the 5th best team to the 13th best team, separated by four games. Um, you even have like the Phoenix Suns, who are the four seed. They're only two games ahead of the Clippers. So 
a lot of opportunities here for a lot of these teams all the way down to Portland. Um, you know, and a lot of these teams still have a shot to make the, the plan. Some of these teams can get into the top six. You have like a team like the Lakers who, you know, we should talk about the Lakers are now 33 and 34. They're slated as the ninth best team in the West. They're only two games back from the Los Angeles Clippers who are the five seed. So the Los Angeles Lakers, it is possible. It's possible for them to be as high as the fifth seed. I mean, in a, in a really wild situation, maybe even the four seed. But that's just an example of how crazy this conference is. Um, and I wanted to kind of go through and and think about like the outlook for this conference and how it's going to shake out. Obviously, the Denver Nuggets, they're the one seed. They have a five-and-a-half game lead on Sacramento and Memphis. Um, they're going to be the one seed. That's pretty clear. Denver's going to be the one seed. Um, you have Sacramento and Memphis who are kind of jockeying to see who's going to be the two, who's going to be the three. Obviously, Sacramento, they've had a really, uh, I, I would say for most people, a surprising season. I don't think many people expect them to be this good. Um, obviously, De'Aaron Fox, Damana Sabonis, they've both been really good this season um, for Sacramento, and they've just been a fun team to watch. Memphis, obviously, they were a really good team for the first three, four months of the season. They haven't been playing quite as well recently. Obviously, you know, everything with the John Morant situation going on. We don't know when John Morant's going to come back. Um, we, we have no idea. He's away from the team right now. That's kind of what they're saying. He is still not returned. There's no news about when he will return. Um, and an, an interesting piece of information that we learned, I, I forget who said it um, on a podcast, but there is a rule, I believe, about, you know, if, like, I think a player who possesses a gun on, like, a team plane or team premises, apparently it's an automatic 50-game suspension, which John Morant, by all accounts, I think he did. Um, I, I'm not 100% on that, but it seems like he did. So I don't know if he'll get a 50-game suspension. I don't know what's going to happen, but the Grizzlies are really in flux here because of that situation. They're also in flux because of Stephen Adams' injury. Additionally, Brandon Clark, a really important rotational piece, now is injured and is going to be out for the season for the Memphis Grizzlies. So the Grizzlies, a team who I really liked back in, I think, early January as a team who could come out of the West, now I feel... Uh, much less confident. I do not have much faith in the Grizzlies getting out of the West, really at all, to be honest, just because when you have this many situations going wrong with the team, not even just like the the play on the basketball fl floor, but like off the court situations, injuries, it it's not it's not going well. It's not looking good for the Grizzlies. So I don't like their outlook here going forward. Um, net, you can go down the line. You can look at the Phoenix Suns. Obviously, Kevin Durant he did tweak. Um, I think it was his ankle, or I, I forget exactly, but he's supposed to be out for about two to three weeks. Again, the Suns, I, I kind of said this when the trade initially happened, but like, if you tell me that they are all healthy, which is a big if, it's a big if, because Kevin Durant just got hurt again, Chris Paul's getting older, I think he's like 38 now, like, we've seen the injuries happen with Devin Booker's had an injury, we've seen it, but if you tell me they are all there on the floor... I think they're probably winning the West. I mean, it's it's really them or Denver to me at the moment. But because of how big of an if that is, I wouldn't sit here and pick the Phoenix Suns to get out of the West because I don't I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But if you tell me they are, I think I'd probably pick them. So that's what makes Phoenix interesting. We'll see how they manage without Kevin Durant here for the next few weeks. And then after that, you have going down the line, the Clippers at the 5, the Warriors at the 6, Timberwolves at the 7, Mavericks at the 8, Lakers at the 9. Jazz at the 10. How is that going to shake out? I really don't know. 
The Lakers are on a three-game winning streak. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10. The majority of those games without LeBron James. So they've been playing well after the deadline. Obviously, Jared Vanderbilt had, in particular, I think, has been a really good piece. Malik Beasley as well. Um, Russell's been there, but he's missed some time you know, with an injury tweak of his own. And Anthony Davis, once again, is playing very well. So the Lakers are interesting. Another team where it's like, it's like there's so many things that have to go right, kind of like the Grizzlies at this point, obviously different circumstances, but the injuries in particular with the Lakers. LeBron is old. Anthony Davis, we know his injury history. It's hard to predict. We don't really know. But the way they've been playing lately, it's interesting. It's interesting. If they get in the playoffs and they go up against the Sacramento or Memphis, could they win that series? If you tell me they have LeBron fully healthy, Davis, Vanderbilt, all these guys, they could. They could win that series, which is kind of crazy, but it could happen. So it's it's really interesting. And I haven't even talked about the Warriors yet, Brandon. The Warriors, I don't know if you saw this. The Warriors record on the road, I believe, is seven and twenty-six. Yes, seven seven and twenty-six, yep. Yeah, seven and twenty-six. Now they the same just, as the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> same as the Detroit Pistons, who were But uh, at home, the worst at home it's twenty-eight and seven. Yes, but at home it's twenty-eight and seven. So and they also just beat the Bucks in an overtime thriller at home, I, I think, last night. So the Warriors are an interesting team for all a bunch of reasons as well. Obviously, you know, they have Stephen Curry and we, we don't know. They don't have Andrew Wiggins right now. We don't know what's going on with that situation. I, I think it's a family matter. I don't know exactly what it is. It's not, I don't think it's an injury. Um, so we don't know when he's going to come back. But the Warriors, they're a, th- they're a team that simply because of history, you have to take them seriously. You can't just yeah, write off the Warriors. Of course. And I know what we've seen, the evidence we've seen this season, doesn't. it's not very convincing. I wouldn't pick the Warriors to come out of the West because of everything that's happened. But you have to still consider them they are still a factor they can still on any given night really beat any team so so many interesting things brandon um i've been rambling for a while now but what are some of your thoughts about this situation i it's just so interesting because when you you showed it to me i was like this is crazy i mean between the four in like the 13th seed i guess not seed but fourth and 13th place in the western conference i they they could all make it. There's enough games left. Well, not all of them, but like any one of them could like go on a little run and make it. Obviously, the most interesting, like the real beef of it, is the six through ten um, here. Because I mean, those are big differences: the sixth seed versus the tenth seed, and they're only two games apart, uh, which is absolutely crazy. So this is such a unique situation. I I can't even remember much like. I can't remember any recent times that we have had such a situation quite like this where there's like legitimately 10 teams within five games of each other all have the ability to actually make the playoffs. So here's my final question for you about this, Trevor. What what teams do you think are going to miss? Yeah, absolutely. So kind of looking at it here, um, the top six, I think, are all going to get in. Now, will they all necessarily be the top six? Will that stay the same? I don't know. It's kind of up in the air. Um, as far as the 7 through 10, um, I feel pretty confident that Dallas will, will get into de- certainly the top 10, and I think th- I'm relatively confident confident they'll be a playoff team. Minnesota is a tricky one. Um, I think them and the Lakers are kind of in a similar tier of, like, uh, of my trust in them. Utah, personally, I think is going to fall out still. I know they just won two games in a row. But I still think that the Pelicans, even without Zion, have enough talent. C.J. McCollum has been kind of inconsistent this year. But I think they have enough talent to pass the Utah Jazz to get into the 10 spot. 
So that those essentially would be the 10 I would have. Um, the only change would be the Pelicans over the Jazz for that 10th spot. I think ultimately, if you tell me that the Lakers are in an... Because I think this is a very uh, likely scenario, to be honest. The Lakers, I think, will be a play-in team playing probably the Minnesota Timberwolves, if I were to guess, in an 8-9 matchup, likely where the winner gets the 8 seed, the loser goes home. In that game, it all depends on, like, is LeBron playing? Are they healthy? If they are, I'd pick the Lakers. If they aren't, I'd pick the Timberwolves. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Ultimately, I, I know I said a couple weeks ago, I pretty much said the Lakers season's over after LeBron was ruled out. Yeah, um, I remember. I think I got to retract that statement. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to, I don't think they're going to win a playoff series. Like, I, I know they're playing well. I don't think they're going to win a playoff series. But now, I kind of think they're going to sneak in as the eight, to be honest with you. Which would line them up against the Denver Nuggets, which would be an interesting matchup. But that, I think, would be my prediction. I think that the Lakers are going to be in a situation where they play the Timberwolves for the eight seed. I think Dallas will get the seven. And I think the Lakers will get the eight. I think they'll probably beat Minnesota um, to get the eight seed. That would be my prediction. Interesting. Well, the Western Conference is uh, uh, it's crazy over there. I'm excited to see what happens. Any other uh, NBA topics you want to touch on before we wrap up the pod for today, Trevor? No, I I think that's about it. Uh, um, you know, the NBA's obviously college basketball is kind of the main thing. It's March right now, um, right? So that it's like we're into the postseason. But NBA has been very interesting. A lot of really good games. Oh, yeah. Obviously, certain stars that are not healthy, we want to see them healthy. We hope that this jaw situation gets worked out. Um, but nevertheless, the games are still really fun, and it's getting closer to the playoffs. Yeah, no, 100%. All right, well, we'll wrap up the podcast there for today. Of course, go join our bracket challenge. The link is in the description. It's like uh, SBP 2023 challenge. Uh, if you want to look it up, go join. It's free just for fun. Everyone join, have some fun. Of course, stay tuned for that Tuesday episode, our bracket special. This will be the first time we're ever doing something like this, so you're going to want to you know, get get tuned in for that. That'll come out Tuesday night, uh, probably pretty late at night. Uh, we do all have to work that day, so you know it's going to come out a little bit later, and that's okay. Uh, but definitely stay tuned for that. Of course, check out our website, thesmallballers.com. Link is in the description for that. Um, also in the description is our Twitter, at thesmallballer. Go check that out so you can stay tuned when all of our podcasts go live. Um, of course, subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review if you enjoyed. But with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons!